Welcome. Welcome back. No. <laughs> All right. And three, two, one. Welcome to Deconversion Therapy, the podcast. This is Bonnie coming at you with my friend Karen. <laughs> Say hi. Yep. And we're yep. on Zoom, so Bonnie has a nice picture of pretty flowers behind her, and I'm in a closet mm-hmm. with unfolded clothes behind me. I know, but it's comforting to see two things every week. One, that your clothing changes positions. That means you might be washing things. So I actually exciting. just shifted my chair. <laughs> that's all. But like there'll be a different shirt in a different location each week. And right behind you is deodorant. So that's comforting too. Do you see how many though? Oh my goodness. There's three. Do you have one that smells like Australia? Remember that one? It, was there one? Yeah, there was some like Suave brand that had um, an Australia scent to it. Wow. <laughs> I was like, now my armpits smell like Australia. I know, um, but I told you that when I got to Australia, I was really upset that they didn't know about Aussie Moist Shampoo. Aussie what? Moist Shampoo. Remember Aussie Moist from the 80s? They had the scrunch spray. And they was had. moist part of the name yes, of the... Yes, unfortunately. No, really? Yeah. It's disgusting. I know. <laughs> That's why it didn't last. <laughs> Aussie moldy hair shampoo. <laughs> um, so, okay, so Karen and I have known each other since we were um, one and couldn't even form sentences, but so much. One of us um, could. <laughs> That's right. When I um, met her, I said, Hello. My name is Karen. What are your pronouns? And Bonnie just went, nah. Um, so uh, we started uh, Baptist Day School together and then went to, oh, wait, no, kindergarten day school. Then we were in high school together and then we were college roommates for the first two years until I went secular and she <laughs> stayed behind there and kept giving it all to Jesus. And I kind of didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I slowly slipped away. So um, she gave but a percentage. Whole, yeah, like I, tithe I, about ten percent. Oh no! I think I may have tried to go to church at college one time. Yeah, yeah. I went when I got home from you know on vacation. You didn't have and anything stuff. to do. Oh, seeing friends. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, not seeing friends. Worshiping the Lord. All right. Um, so. Uh, so anyway, so basically we both we both got away from the church on our own different ways. I was a really nice slow slide and Karen actually started reading the Bible. <laughs> so there's the story. And it led us both out and our mm-hmm. own timelines. So yeah. you know, we have people, Christians, non-Christians, um, Latter-day Saints, post-Latter-day Saints, all this stuff listening. Uh, but if you're listening, you hopefully you don't get offended at stuff. That's the main thing. But where are we now spiritually? I feel I am a, quote, agnostic atheist, so I don't have a lot of spirituality to me. And where would you say you are? I hate I hate this saying, but it's true. I'm not religious, but I am spiritual. I feel like we're all connected and that being connected and having connections is the whole thing about Earth. That being said, I'm also very much an island and don't <laughs> like people. <laughs> so that's kind of true and not true. But um, but connections are fantastic. I love connection, too. Yeah, we're we're all connected and we're all going through the same the same experience. And yeah, all the details are a little different, but the more things I read and uh and listen to as far as uh, you know, kind of self-help podcasts mm-hmm. and um, like ours. and listen yeah, like ours. And um there's this whole concept called radical acceptance and I'm reading that book and I'm reading about people who are having the exact same experience as I am with, you know, accepting different parts of what's going on in their brain. And we're, we have, we all have more in common than we have different. 
I agree. And I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't see that through a spiritual lens for me, but... I think that's really the crux of everything is now that I'm out of the church, I feel more loving than ever. And I was just telling Bonnie that on TikTok, we have a lot of followers now. And it's mainly because on TikTok, there are so many people who have left the church all the way, part of the way, were raised Christian, were hurt by the church. They're all there. They're like, mm-hmm. you know, and it, they're on TikTok because of connection. I mean, that's what social media is. So they're all there and they begin to find us and find each other. And uh, most everyone is positive and fun and they have no problem, you know, not being offended at stuff. Although I still get every once in a while some white men who they just disagree <laughs> While you're here and you're holding your phone, yes, scroll down. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Those all bring us up in visibility. And then the other thing is uh, we have a sponsorship newsletter, and we really want to make that something that people desire because instead of like a Patreon where we get people, you know, sponsoring This, we send out a newsletter about twice a month, and we want it to be a community in there. So it's $7 a month. You can go to our website, deconversiontherapypodcast.com, but it's also in the details. So under all the stuff that's typed out about this episode, you'll see, like, where our shop is, because we have really cute new merch that's so funny and adorable. And um, There's cute new stuff. Plus a link to the newsletter. So thank you to the people who sponsor us. It really helps. Yeah, and I will be uh, putting a weekly recipe column in there about air fryer recipes. (laughs) Seeing that it doesn't come out weekly, this will be (laughs) even better. It's going to be even more annoying. (laughs) So are you reading, watching anything, doing anything? Well, I'm super excited to watch the show Hacks on HBO Max. Didn't mean that to rhyme, but those are the facts. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so that's good. It's Jean Smart, and she's fantastic, and she plays this older, seasoned comedian, and she's paired with a young comedian who's a writer writing stuff for her. And their relationship is not smooth what? to start with. I know. Um, And then, okay, so Tina Fey uh, has got her fingers in another show called Girls 5 Eva. (laughs) I saw. (laughs) On Peacock, right? On Peacock. I I did the, the, you know, I just do the free level, which only gets you the Uh first two seasons of The Office. And, uh, you know, like the first five episodes of different series that they have, but I'm going to see if I'm willing to put out the big money like you do. You know why I put the big money out? Because I was promised, and I don't know if this is me not knowing how to use (laughs) the actual technology or if they're not doing it yet because they're not back in the studio, but if you pay the premium price, you can get to watch um, Jimmy Fallon and Seth Meyers before their air times. So oh. like once they once they tape the show, right. probably like I don't know seven thirty or so, they'll stick it up there. I guess that's the idea. So you're in bed and by eight. And I can't eight. wait for that. Yeah. What? So then you get to go to bed by eight. That's, that's right. worth it. <laughs> that's that's the dream. <laughs> Living the dream. Um, so okay, so Girls Five Eva which they make a lot of good puns with, like, uh, the word five instead of four and three instead of two in their song. And Tina's husband writes the music for the show. So that's a lovely thing because he's funny and he did the music for 30 Rock. But um, so so in one of the episodes, Busy Phillips um, plays the ex- 
hot girl from right. the girl group and she married the hot boy from the boy group <laughs> back in the day who's yeah. played by Andrew Rannells and you can tell that their relationship is not genuine and they are they have not had sex I don't know if ever they had sex <laughs> no they have a daughter so I guess there must have been something and happening. the daughter is Tina Fey's real daughter oh really yeah I just found oh. that out on another podcast yeah. Oh my gosh. And oh, she's like a TikTok YouTube. Like she's an influencer. Brat. Yeah. Yeah. So so Paula Pell comes over to the house where Andrew Rannells and Busy Phillips are having a Bible study. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is great. Okay. Bring bring mocking Bible studies into everything. Um, so she's wearing this t-shirt that says census 2020 and she's like i don't have much church merch but i've got this old census t-shirt so she taped je in front of the c-e-n it says g says 2020 and andrew riddles goes oh that's okay we're the cool kind of christians who wear sneakers and compare the bible to characters from the office which i, I thought you that. would like and then um uh, then the next joke of down the road is um, WWDWD. What would Daryl from the warehouse do? <laughs> <sighs> so anyway, um, so good. I think I I saved a few jokes for you Thank instead of you. ruining them. Uh, yeah. Well, I started watching it, and the main thing is like they were a girls' group. Then they disappeared. Everyone went their own way, and then their music was sampled, so they sort of come back. But I love how, like, one of the members was living life really fast. So <laughs> when they introduce everyone, out comes Paula Pell, who's got gray hair and is much older than Busy Phillips and the rest of the people in it. Right. So it's hilarious. <laughs> and they just accept her as, like, yeah, that's normal. You've been living a hard life and you look <laughs> older. But she became a dentist. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> She's no longer in a girl band. <laughs> like, I'm just going to go to dental school. All right. Oh, well, she's we, so funny. We better get into what we're going to talk about. Um, and it is my, it's, it's not a new thing that I've been talking out about, but we've talked about it in past episodes. But I really want to zone in because right now, there are high school kids out there planning their short-term mission trips this summer, which, I don't know, starts in a month or whatever. Um, so I want to talk about short-term missions. Now, I was a long-term missionary, but I did do short-term at the beginning of all this stuff. Um, what which, did what we did in youth group count as like minute missionaries because <laughs> those are like week tours <laughs> they that was the beginning of the whole missionary like idea because i think it's when you and i in the 80s everything seemed invented by our church not the way everything is these days where you know. Marketed ideas. Right, right. Yeah. But I think that there were some sort of, you know, things and mail outs or magazines or whatever that yeah. were about the same. Um, but I found yeah, this. Yeah, especially when you compare what we did with the First Baptist of Fort Lauderdale. And how all of a sudden you meet all these kids and you're like, oh, my gosh, it's bizarro world. It's us. I know. Yeah. And they all have. Yeah. Um, so I looked it up on Wikipedia and it was like short term missionary stuff started in the 1960s. And here we go. Inspired by the Peace Corps. And damn it. Again, we have the God of all creativity having to make the church copy what's out in the secular world, like yeah, Christian so it's rap. it's like bad music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it really started getting bigger in the 80s and 90s, and now it's just, it's, it's expected. Okay, so when we did it, I think the first time I remember was going, was the Bahamas the first one? That's the when, first one I was 
involved with? We were like eighth grade, ninth grade? No. <laughs> we were um because you were you were dating the guy who would eventually be in a band. So that no, was probably not in the Bahamas. Yeah, you were. Damn. Because I have a picture of you sitting on his lap. Yeah. So, um, and uh, I, w- I want to say it was 11th grade. Okay. I'm thinking of a different one, though, than did we go to Baltimore first? Yes. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Yep. Okay. Like, so. <laughs> just look up. Hey, where can we send these young idiots? Baltimore, that'll be hot. That'll be hot and humid. (laughs) Let's go to Baltimore. And like you, you know, you always like spend your days in this foreign church to you that you're setting up everything. And it was like a vacation Bible school. That was our big draw every time we went with our church. Hey, neighborhood, uh, inner city Baltimore, other uh, kids in Bahamas, anyone that doesn't have white skin, let us babysit your kids. Oh, I know. So cringy. Yep. What I love about it is that we didn't even realize, like you and I went. I don't remember how much money it was. I don't remember if our parents had to pay for some of those. But we didn't even realize, or I didn't, that there would be kids who couldn't afford to go or just couldn't go because they were going to be doing something else. But mm. how we moved up a tier, when you go on that trip, you're like, you're in the in crowd. You're like spiritually superior. Yes. Uh, or at least but- socially within like the youth of, yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, I do. Here's here's what I like, though, is that we can actually say we sang the national anthem at a Baltimore Orioles game. Very correct. We did do that very poorly. And that's the funny thing. Like, I think how they set those things up in those days, I don't know. Like, if they just, like, <laughs> They called, couldn't email. I, I, you know what? I guarantee it was, hey, I know someone who does something for the Orioles is what it was. Right. And then sometimes I thought, uh, at least back then, I thought, wow, we must have been pretty good to get that gig. And now I think <laughs> they must have been pretty desperate to want us. I know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but there were a lot of baseball games throughout the year. You know, in a baseball season, yes. a shitload of games to figure out who's going to sing the national anthem. And they were, people were like, what? There is a group of eighth graders <laughs> from South Florida? This is going to be in eighth grade, prime. Though. I want to say that was 10th grade. It might like have been. 10th, and then Bahamas was 11. And then there was the year where they were just like, well, we're going to just take a bus and kind of go around parts of Florida. That's where we got to sing. Yeah, for the prisoners. Yep, and <laughs> well, that's, that's disturbing thing. on so many levels. <laughs> well, the thing about the Bahamas, like I remember going in there, and you always had like a different task. Okay, you're on arts and crafts. You're on this. You're on that. And nowadays, I have run into so many youth groups at the airport. You can see they're all gathered around. Mm-hmm. Some of them have matching shirts. There's mm-hmm. about five <laughs> parents going, Josiah, Josiah, no, come back, get in the group. <laughs> They're all wearing strappy sandals, fabric sandals, like Chacos and Tevas. And there's one guy with a guitar. Just one. Sure. <laughs> they bring the one. And I remember there was one family when we went to the Bahamas, we flew. And, right. Um, I hope so. <laughs> I hope we're, we're close enough to take a vote. So, but we flew over there, and um, and there was one family. The parents went, and the kids went, and they split up, and they were like, "Well, we don't want to all go down together." 
<laughs> now, now we realize <laughs> what that means. Um, oh, okay. So fun things that happen in the Bahamas. First of all, okay. When, when you're given your tasks, I felt like it was not as organized as I wanted it to be. <laughs> it was not clear to me exactly what I was supposed to be doing, what I was supposed to be imparting and teaching to these kids. It was way too much hanging out time. I, with them. Uh, totally. I mean, uh, I found that very uncomfortable. That's absolutely what short term missions is it's building a relationship, showing Jesus through you. But uh-huh. I just remember, yeah, it would just be us cutting out like beards all day. Now stick this on the Moses picture and telling, <laughs> you know, singing some songs and whatnot. But I really enjoyed it because, yeah, these kids were really cute. They'd sit on your lap. I remember they would chase after our bus when we were leaving, and we were all, like, crying. And now I realize how shitty all of it is. Hello, (laughs) here come rich white people who are showing you attention. Now we are going to take back our love, and you're going to be left in your same, you know, unwatched— parents having to work all the time existence you know and I I hope it wasn't that shitty because I think that anytime you get to hang out with people and just have a fun time there's got to be some good that came of that I would assume so but everything I've been reading is a no Mm. I know. <laughs> okay, oh. so let's wait. Let me let me tell you one thing though that is is extremely indicative of my mentality even to this day. Um, there was at one point we needed something, and I had to go through the church in the Bahamas to find whatever was you know on my to go get list. And it was so disorganized that I remember being in the bowels of the church thinking, how long can I hang out here before I have to go back and have awkward conversations with children? I don't know. I think that's so much of it because it's sort of like we don't know what to do. And I remember always, always looking for a leader like, where did they go? Where are they? And yes. yeah, so, I mean, we were, we were left on our own. We didn't know what we were doing, but, um, okay, let me get into now why I'm so against all of it. The, the parts that made us feel good is that we felt we were helping, of course. Mm-hmm. To me, it was an adventure, like traveling, going different places, seeing villages, love that. There was a lot of bonding that happened between all of us. And we felt like, you know, hey, here's our purpose in life. We're following the Bible and all the adults are super proud of us. So that's not bad. Um, And again, I wasn't realizing how much it separated us from the other people in youth group who couldn't go. Uh, But I do know that later in life, when I did short-term missions with youth with a mission, short ones, longer ones, everyone was like a misfit. Like this, we were not the cream of the crop, is what I'm saying. (laughs) We were people who kids wanted maybe the purpose or they wanted the adventure, but they weren't really that into God and Jesus or, you know, showing any kind of moral anything. Um, And then there were just a lot of super needy people, including leaders. And I figured it was the exact opposite. Like, these are the people who know more about the Bible and about Jesus, and they're equipped to share it. That's that. that that's what I thought, <laughs> and that's why. I mean, I started. I ended up meeting my husband on the the first short term one I did. Nope, second uh, after I got out of college. But I always noticed like he would be annoyed because 
he had to, like, take over the money situation because our leaders were incompetent. <laughs> he was the responsible one. <laughs> uh, and, yeah. And then we realized, like, we all are because there were only three women and the rest were guys. And one of them was so needy, like, definite issues there. But And my guess is they were only maybe three years older than you at the most. Right, right. Yeah. And the leader woman, I realized along the way how needy and incompetent she was. And she mm-hmm. would just keep praying and talking to us about God giving her a husband. And then she <laughs> felt maybe it would be the guy leader. And, you know, it was just, it was all... Uh, well, all but that's mess. what camp and mission tours were good for is hooking up with boyfriends. I know. Me. Exactly. I mean, I that was a that was a bonus once you got old enough. Not hooking up like the youngins mean. No, not today's hooking up, but you know. Yeah, not the the millennial sluts. <laughs> so, yeah, I was super earnest doing it. And so, you know, I'd align with a couple of the other super earnest people. And I remember on one, like there were about 30 of us. And the super earnest people were either like two of them dropped out. And I should have been like, hmm, why are they leaving? Uh, (laughs) But I'm sure they were just like, this is a shit show. (laughs) They're not committed. But when we're like, okay, this must be doing other places good. I put something on TikTok about mission work and the whole white savior complex. I got so many comments by indigenous people in South mm-hmm. America, um, wow. all in uh, reservations here in states. I'm trying to find some, but there are so many people who are like, thank you. Our village w- has been taken over by these summer mission groups, and it's so damaging. Oh, gosh. Here's what I love, though, is that it sounds like to me you really believed in the system. If, if an individual who was really earnest left, you, it, didn't, it didn't shake your faith in the whole concept of missionaries. No, it didn't, because I really believed in a calling. Yeah. And now I realize I called myself to a lot of things I enjoyed. <laughs> so, <laughs> I enjoyed. So it was always, <laughs> I remember, uh, you know, I did this one thing with YWAM, and then they were going to break up into three groups. One was going to stay in Australia, because that's where I was. One was going to go to Malaysia, the other to India. And they're like, everyone go and pray. For two days and see uh-huh. where God's calling you. Well, all of us had our ear open to who we wanted to hang out with, where right. they were being called to. <laughs> and also, I remember hearing my now husband, like, say, well, I'm going to India because, you know, I don't want to just stay in my own country. I want this to be something worthwhile. I want to go see somewhere I've never been with a group. And I'm like, me too. Not just because I had a crush on him, but because I'm like, yeah. Um, So (laughs) there you go. There's just plus Plus the the whole different culture. I would strongly assume that Australia is a little bit more like the States than India. Exactly. So I think that's fair. I mean, you want to experience something different and see how the other people are, you know, going to receive the message. Yes. And did they love the skits, (laughs) which we'll get into. Okay, but here's some of the the dangerous stuff um, or crazy stuff or whatever you want to say. Every year, $4 billion are used to send kids on short-term missions, $4 billion. So you're sending, if you look at the pictures, I rarely see a person of color. It's all white kids. You're sending them into places where they're 
ill-equipped to do much of anything. And that money could be used to just, like, send the money or the supplies or even one good, you know, contractor or whatever it is to help the people if they want to build a school or a hospital or whatever. And that money could be used to keep it in their economy. Like, they would hire their own people who are out of work, train them in something, and then just leave so you're not using up their limited resources, too. Yeah. Like, um... What's the housing mission thing yeah. that Jimmy Carter does? Habitat for Humanity. Yeah. That one seems like they go, they put something good in the community, then they get out. Which is really They leave good. something good behind. Yeah. That's good in America. And then if it's overseas, it should be the, the people of that country doing the building so that they are getting a, a wage and they are learning a skill And we're not crowding up there, you know, because you usually end up staying with people. That's the other thing. You can't guarantee anyone's safety when you do these missions. Um, And it's also just it's embarrassing. In hindsight. No, no. It's embarrassing. Sorry. What? How Americans are perceived. These kids overseas. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're just seen as colonizers, modern colonizers. Hi, I'm coming to your country. I, you're either already a mostly evangelized country, but we're going to do our own kind because yours isn't good enough. Right. Or we don't like your heathen ways and we're going to come and do a dance to show you a better <laughs> way. Well, um... To me, the whole idea of a missionary coming my way, and I'm thinking of this from, like, the the Mormons who used to ride their bikes down our street. Yeah. And um, the whole idea of them approaching me going, uh, the things that you're doing with your brain are wrong. You Mm -hmm. should be doing, you should be having thoughts that are like our thoughts. It's like... It's like a sales pitch. It just feels salesy. It feels like a door-to-door salesman, and they do go door-to-door, of the, you know, that you see um, personified in old TV shows where they're just pushy, and they stick the foot in the door, and they just, they've got something to sell, and it's only to make money. And then just knowing that ultimately (laughs) to get more numbers for your church is to make money, Right. Makes right. me sad also. See, you're smart like that. No, I'm no, jaded think of like that. that. Right. Yeah, I was thinking about going, like, it's easier, and it was always easier for me to go to another country and, quote, preach the gospel than it was mm-hmm. here. Because yeah. there, you know, you're leaving, and most people are people of color wherever you're going, and they listen to white people. And you know that. Like, Mm -hmm. they are, like, those people must know something because they're white. They come from a place (laughs) of money. We're going to listen to them. They must have the secret. Yes. And Mm -hmm. it's just awful because, yeah, then you sort of leave them without any follow-up, without any good anything. So there's, like, a thousand um, organizations now in the States, and it's a really big business to do short-term missions. Uh, And I was looking at one set of—let me find it. I was looking at one set— Tell me what the short-term time frame is. Okay. So short-term is usually about two weeks. You know, it can be a little longer, and some people— are like, yeah, but what if you're doing something good that isn't just sharing Christ? And, you know, if it's anything with an agenda, like we are coming because we're Christians, even that's an agenda. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, uh, now you get to use this house we built that was built by Christians. You know, there's like this emotional ransom 
put on those people. But last summer, because of COVID, a lot of these were canceled. And you and I were, you know, we're like, oh, good. I guess everyone's going to put their money just to the poor now. Um, but I found a website that was like, okay, how to discern if you should go because of COVID or not. This was last year. On a mission. Correct. And it had questions you asked yourself, like, you know, what are the best advisors saying about the travel? Um, (laughs) There should just be two boxes in this flow chart. Is there a pandemic? Yes. (laughs) Do not go. (laughs) This is is God's message to you. How can it be clearer? But uh, one of them is... What might not be accomplished if this trip is to delay or cancel? And two, could the kingdom be damaged by delaying or canceling this travel? Which is such a huge burden to put on mere people. Like, are you really going to hold back God and bringing his kingdom to people just because of a a pandemic? I'm like, oh, God. This is terrible. Oh, God. God, (laughs) your people suck. Oh, my gosh. So how long was a long-term missionary trip? Long-term is just, you know, uh, you don't have any other job. Okay. So short-term is something that you could do with your vacation time. Right. And it's usually done in the summer, sometimes spring break. And then long term, you know, it. it can still be a few months, a year, but some people stay the rest of their lives and they've been yeah. missionaries for 30 years or whatever. Um, but I will say that every long term missionary I knew, they were not doing things above board. They were always doing something. Every single one, a little sketchy, whether it's like we smuggle Bibles into China. So, like, illegal (laughs) stuff. Okay, but sketchy with with ultimately you're backed by God's desire. Oh, yeah, yeah, all of it. Okay, not sketchy like drugs and... uh, Not that I know of, but I'm sure there is. But, (laughs) yeah, so it was always that or it was... You know, using the money that they got from churches to buy things that they might not really need or is really useful for the mission stuff. Um, and they like don't soccer balls. tell <laughs> people. What did you say? Soccer balls. Right, soccer balls. Um, but, yeah, there. It, I mean, it's just there. there was never someone that I thought I would find. Like. I mm-hmm. wanted to see someone that I was like, wow, yeah, that, that's what I think of as a missionary. But I just saw a lot of stuff that was a lot more ick. But so I did send you a video of some things that kids are taught to do on mission trips. Yeah. Were you and converted? You talked about doing this on another episode, but I think you need to tell again about what yours was. Well, mine, we would do, because we didn't speak the language, we would do skits, and all of us would have like minor props. Um, and ours what, what was. Con- wait, go back. What country was this? This was India. We okay. would. We gathered people in like Mahatma Gandhi Square. And they would come, you know, we would just wave at them and say, come here. And, of course, everyone would because they don't know what these weird white people are going to do. And then we put down the boom box. We push it. And our Jesus character, like, walks. No, no. So after the boom box is on... And some people start clapping, and we want to go, no, this is not about fun. You're going to see some uh, a very cautionary tale. We can't can't be prideful and receive applause. Right. And and don't clap on the beat. This is a cautionary tale. (laughs) 
This so, is not dancing either. <laughs> well, I got to dance. I was, quote, party girl. So I did a break dance mm. with my arms doing the wave. With um, my arms. And like <laughs> someone else was. The rest of your body did not know how to break dance. <laughs> <laughs> someone else did a, um, was like pride and vanity. Someone else was, you know, I don't know, something else. And no, then did you have outfits or were you just in your street clothes? We we had some prop outfits prop that we things. wore. I wore like a American looking jersey to sort of mm-hmm. show um that I was cool. And, and a bra on the outside or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you were the party girl. And then then our quote Jesus comes by, and I saw someone else with this, and church people will know. It would be like a a shiny polyester purple throwover shirt that somehow represents God and Jesus. Well, purple is very royal, etc. Yeah. And so our Jesus would come in and like I don't know, pet each of our heads or something to sort of be like, you're forgiven. I can't remember. Um, but then but we wait, nail I'm, them. You're saying they had purple on, and I'm just thinking, like, they had L.A. Lakers jerseys It was on. that color, though. It was totally <laughs> right. that color. But was it a robe with, like, the pointy thing? I don't or know what that is. a purple shirt. It would be remember like a big purple shirt. Okay. Not a robe. <laughs> um all it I'm just, thinking is like big purple shirt, Shaquille O'Neal's giant shirt. <laughs> I'll send you one. But okay. So each of us then quote nailed Jesus to the cross, which means nothing to Indians, right? Nothing to Hindus, right? At all. And then of course he dies, and we're all crying because he's lying on the ground. And then all of a sudden, we back away, and he rises. Yeah. And everyone claps because they're like, this <laughs> is, look, standing up. Um, so, yeah, there's no <laughs> discernible interpretation for them at all. Mm-hmm. But to mm-hmm. us, we knew if we do this, then God God speaks through us. And it's so that's so inside because the, the video that you sent me of the mission trip skit, yeah. Um, it was the same thing. Like I kind of knew what they were doing because I've heard these stories over and over again. Yeah, and, yeah, um, exactly. But there was there were no words. Their bodies, because they're young kids, are just kind of all over the place and their props were shitty and <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and um <laughs> So I I know it I know what it's kind of representing, but but even God, if we were to see one, somebody from another culture, no, and even if we were to see one, we'd still go, is that? Oh yeah, 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 that must be Mary. Like you know, we would still right. be trying to pick it out ourselves. By the way, I always find this amusing. The sketch or the mission trip skit that you sent me on YouTube. Yeah. Um, the other options for me to watch are down the right side of my YouTube <laughs> feed are Steve Martin on the dating game in 1968. It's not same. sure how that is at all coordinating with the mission trip sketch and Seth Rogen and Judd Apatow once talked religion with uh, Tom Cruise. Oh, oh. like, I don't, I don't know if Hmm. what I'm watching gives me, you know, if the ideas on the right are because of what I'm watching. I don't know. They hear us because I saw this woman before Mother's Day do this idea where she picked up her husband's phone and she Mm -hmm. just opened Siri and kept saying spa day, spa day into it. So his uh, up would come like sales on spa days when he's looking at his own. So I don't, I don't know. Fascinating. It is fascinating. Fascinating. So, yeah, so back to the missionary stuff. It's a... You know, for people who are very earnest and feel that they're supposed to go out, preach the gospel to every corner of the earth, 
then it becomes like this burden that you feel you should be doing more in your everyday life, first of all. But definitely that going overseas to these heathens is even more proof that you are living a Christ-like life, which is bullshit. I think a lot of it is people want to travel and not feel guilty about it and have their parents let them off the hook for having jobs at a certain age. Yeah. And all their friends are going and they have nothing else going on this summer. (laughs) And and my daughters used to be like, oh, so-and-so gets to go to, you know, wherever it is. And... That's all they would see on their Instagram timeline is those people holding brown kids, which is the hallmark of if you know you've gone or not. (laughs) God. So a lot of my life, that's what I wanted to be with my whole life. And as many people know, I started looking in my Bible more and more when I was overseas in Thailand to try and, you know, I'm going to really prove it to them. And I found disconcerting things when I was studying the Bible in order and trying to think, you know, like I tried to put my mindset in the mind of someone who wasn't Christian for the first Mm -hmm. time. Like, how would they look at these verses? And I saw it like that. And I was like, they would say they're bullshit. And that I've seen this somewhere else in a different religion. And, you know, so that's... The same mythology. Exactly. From religion to religion. Yep. But at the same time, like, the burden was so heavy from when I was young that I need to be happy all the time or let people see me like that because they know I'm a Christian So outwardly, that could affect if they follow Jesus or not. And that's Jesus's command that we share the love of Jesus. And Mm. then the same with the mission work. You know, I felt that if I'm going to be a Christian, these are the things that I have to do. And how fucked up it made all of us to feel that the weight of civilization and yeah. eternal life and people burning in hell is on us is such a traumatizing thing. And you and I were listening to the Cure for Chronic Pain podcast, which we highly recommend. And there was a lady yeah. who's Christian on there. Well, and it made me realize so much of what we're doing is just like what she explained. And so I'll give you, I'll give the background a little bit on that. So there's this podcast and it's called the cure for chronic pain. And what it deals with is how our minds process, um, the feelings that we have and the emotions, or they don't process them. And if you don't get them processed the right way, they manifest in your body as pain. Last week, I, I was listening to the story. She had a, a woman on telling about how issues with her manifested in her life as pain in various places in her body. And this was episode 132. I just looked it up. Yes. So this woman, who's also from Australia. She which is. It was very interesting, given your Australian connection. So she grew up a pastor's kid, and she herself inevitably uh, became a pastor. Um, But back in the day, she found out that her dad was living a separate life. So she said this happened twice with her. Once in her 20s, she found out her dad was having a whole complete separate life in her late 20s, and her family completely imploded. Uh, Then she said their church got celebrity pastors in, and she goes, if nobody knows what that is, it's uh, celebrity pastors are like uh, people with big followings. Right. So Nicole was trying to encourage her to go back to a childhood memory um, to talk to her inner child. And this woman went back to a memory where she was at some kind of gathering with her friends and they were in like eighth grade or something and they were playing a game called celebrity head and it was 
a type of game where you had to guess who, which celebrity somebody was once they picked, you know, a name from a hat. Right. Like, and like she headbands. Can, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, and so she would get to the question and she would say, am I a pop star? And they would say, yes. And then she knew she would not know who any of the pop stars were because Uh, she wasn't allowed to listen to the music of the day. So every time she got a question like that, she would just pass the whole game. Like, am I a famous TV star? Yes. Pass. (laughs) And so all the kids were making fun of her for not knowing anything to do with pop culture. So she, but she says she felt a very big sense of righteousness and, and you, we, and we've talked about this before being mocked and persecuted was for her being a good Christian soldier. Right. And she used her sense of superiority about being a good Christian. Um, and then she talked about how as a child, she didn't have any choice, but to believe in God And I'm thinking, you know what, that's where you and I are very, very different as far as our family lives, because your parents Mm -hmm. were involved in church. Right. And they were excited when you um, did churchy things and were a good Christian. And you've Mm -hmm. talked about that before. And um, so... So she said the same thing. When she was celebrated by doing good Christian things, her father would praise her. Um, and she said at age nine, she felt responsible for being the hands and feet of Jesus. Totally. And that, yeah. 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 And I'm like, this sounds so much like Karen's experience. Um, and then she said she felt the weight of changing the world, which is just what you said. Yep about the missions. Which it's um, also feels like an honor and it is sort of elitism, all yeah. all mind fucked in there, you know? Absolutely. Um, she said, bringing the love to God to people was important. Otherwise, they'll die and go to hell. That is mm-hmm. a lot of shame to deal <laughs> it's, with. It, yeah. That is... A shitty load to put on a nine-year-old child. It's like putting Um, a nine-year-old in an operating room to keep someone alive without training. You know, it's it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And Nicole was doing a great job explaining, like, uh, she goes, don't be embarrassed of this as the way your childhood had um, that responsibility feeling in it, because other kids might have grown up, you know, a kid of an alcoholic and their responsibility was to keep their siblings alive while mom and dad were, you know, not capable. Um, Anyway, so this this woman who was talking gave up going to university because her dad wanted her to go to Bible college and stick with the family business of Mm -hmm. preaching. Right. Um, Which, again, oh, it's just a business. You know, I mean, uh, apparently it's more, but really, ultimately, it's a business. So when she was 12 years old, she found out her dad had been having some kind of some kind of maybe an affair um, that she didn't know anything about. It didn't say it affair, got, though. We'll be fair. No, <laughs> no, right. Yeah. Um, something. He did something up. that was wrong enough to get him fired. Right. And uh, and she knew something was wrong. And, um, and then when she was in her 20s, she found out that he had a whole separate life yeah. going. And we don't and, know what any of it means. Yeah, she didn't right. reveal the good stuff. Yeah, so despite him being a total hypocrite, he wanted her to follow and and do the same thing with her life. Right. And I feel like a lot of that is what we're doing entirely with this podcast is just <laughs> shedding light on the shitty hypocrisy. Yeah, that's and out there. Right. And like there's no live and let live obviously because that's what, you know, evangelizing means you can't and she had no chance to get to know something else as a possible way of being Uh, something that really hit me on that and i know this one is a more serious podcast we're doing but yeah the whole idea that if i'm not nice to people it'll look bad for christianity and like Mm -hmm. that begins to change who you are you know 
the very essence of you. And she said something really interesting. She said, niceness will kill you because niceness is a big fat fucking lie. Uh, niceness is just fake. And niceness says, I'm going to placate you and give you whatever niceness you need in order for you to essentially believe in this fake me. So, you know, I was like, that's so true. Like, that's yeah. what it's just like this weird niceness game, which then turned me into a goodist, which, again, I'm at my age and still battling all of that. Yeah. And if people don't know what that term means, goodist, it's that it is important for us, for other people to see us as good people. Right. And that's why, like, I do not, I make sure I don't feel shitty anymore if someone comes after, after me, um, you know what I mean, if someone is coming on my turf, in my house, no, um, <laughs> says something over in any one of my areas, personal, whatever, like, I am not going to feel bad going, no, take your shit out of here, like, that's fine, I'm not going to go to other people's areas and tell them that. But if they do that to me, I have to remind myself that, you know, niceness is fake. That is me wanting them to like me in some way or me seeming nice and better than them and whatever. Well, way. and if you go with what the Bible tells you, it's always turn the other cheek. Right. Turn the other cheek. Although Jesus didn't. And that people are like, no, Jesus was always kind. Yeah, just see what he said to his disciples when they kept falling asleep. Or there's, when they kept falling asleep? Yeah, he went to go pray and he said, stay awake. And he came back, of course, three times because it's the rule of three, um, which is in literature forever. Uh, you know, three fairy godmothers, three times the... Three and piggies. comedy lists. What? <laughs> and comedy lists. Two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a Comedy real... lists must always contain three items. That's right. <laughs> they always have to do the three. And um, anyway, he called them fools. He got mad at them. It's like, you know, I get it, but they were sleeping. It's not a big deal. Not a big deal. You're Jesus. You should be able to keep them awake, right? With your magic. So <laughs> with your tricks. Um, so the best and brightest who were his disciples were still failing. That's kind of comforting. still failing because they were tired. So yeah. he called them fools. And, you know, so that's how he, he did quite a few little things where he did snap at people. And he said, I didn't come to bring peace on earth. I came to bring a sword. And people aren't realizing that is exactly the verse and other verses like that that they're taking when they're trying to promote the whole, like, Trumpian, we've got to fight, we've got to take over government situation. They're not looking at the turn the other cheek stuff anymore. No, I think all of this is cherry picking what you want to back up your personal shiz at the mm -hmm. moment. Yeah, for sure. Ew, so, um, yeah, but you guys listen to that podcast. It's great. <laughs> it is. It's really good. And I know I'm on this, you know, let's stop short term mission thing, but it really it's it's insulting to the people that people visit. It, it strips communities of their minor resources that they have. I was reading one thing about how you could go do this mission somewhere, I'm not sure, in another, oh, in the Ukraine. And they already have, like, little dorms for people to go every year. Youth. And uh -huh. they said in it that... There aren't any stores in the nearby town, but we have our own store where you can get snacks and M&Ms and all that. And it says only for people in our group. Like, so right. if any of the people in the village want, they can't shop at it. It's just for the mission 
kids. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Uh. Well, if people have any entertaining mission trip stories, please send them to us. Were you in a missionary play? Uh did you have any success or failures on your missionary trips? We want to embarrass you and read them on our letter sets. Well, I remember one, and we did go, like, up these mountains, and there'd be, like, a tiny church, and we'd meet, like, three of their youth group, but we would be billeted out and stayed with families. And I Ugh. thought about that, too. Like, you know... Who can vouch for these families, really? <laughs> Wait, so were you staying with other kids from our youth group at the family's places, or were you, yes, like, yes. separated yeah. from the herd? I think I think it'd be, like, at least two of us sleeping yeah. on the ground in a living room or something like that. Because that'd be too creepy if it was just one. I know. It was just safe. me sleeping between, the, between <laughs> Ma and Pa. In bed. Because they said that's how they like to keep warm. <laughs> On that note, uh, subscribe and review. <laughs> Don't be a ship pile. Bye-bye. <laughs>